there's a model where a lot of tax agents are just suggesting to their clients, look, don't go through the formal external administration process. What you can do is just not pay the ASIC fees and then ASIC will deregister the company. So you don't need to go through the external administration process. And if there's no risk area, so if, if, if all the tax returns are lodged up to date, regardless of what, what they are and the super's paid, then I, I would say there is there is a very low risk that there will be any blowback or there will be any action taken against the uh, directors. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 366 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. In episode 364, two weeks ago, Ben Sewell of Sewell and Kettle in Sydney mentioned the option of letting ASIC just deregister an insolvent company. Here's Ben's comment again, just to rejig your memory. There's actually a hell of a lot more companies that are deregistered every year for failing to pay their ASIC fees. So it's something like five to one. So for every company that goes into external administration, that's an SME, so small to medium-sized enterprise, there's five times more than that that are deregistered by ASIC for not paying their ASIC fees. So there's a lot of tax agents out there that are just saying to their clients, look, you may have, say, a relatively small amount of tax debt or a, or, um, a small amount of debt. Why don't you just let ASIC deregister the entity rather than paying, say, ten dollars to $20,000 to go through the process to properly wind, wind it up? That's a big issue in terms of the smaller space. And you know what? When Ben says five to one, that's actually no longer current. So it's something like five to one. Ben sent me an email on the 21st of September. And in this email, he says, the only thing that has changed is that empirical research has come out that ASIC deregistrations versus company liquidations is now 13 to one. So not five to one, as I said previously. This has blown me away. And I agree. That is a big change from five to one to 13 to one. So for every company liquidation, there are 13 companies that are just deregistered by ASIC without an official liquidation process. And so in this episode, let's drill deeper into this thought. To what extent could you, when you have insurmountable tax debts and you need to close your business, to what extent could you avoid a costly external administration with fees often exceeding $10,000 for a liquidator? To what extent could you avoid those fees by just letting ASIC deregister the company? And please remember when Ben says in this interview 5 to 1, please remember that it is actually 13 to 1. So what happens if the company has significant ATO debts but doesn't pay its ASIC fees and hence gets deregistered by ASIC? It leapfrogs the liquidation process, so the company ceases to exist. The complexity is, is the, okay, one risk area is this, is if the directors of the company haven't lodged all of their BAS returns and don't have the super up to date and don't have their uh, their IAS to date as well, be basically the subject of a lockdown penalty. So that's something they're going to want to talk to their tax agent about before they allow ASIC to deregister the entity. Quite an important risk area. But assuming that that is ticked off and assuming they've lodged all their tax uh, returns, whatever those returns are, what it has the effect of is that it avoids the liquidation. So it, it means the company is deregistered, so it ceases to exist. And the idea, I think, is to leapfrog uh, the process and just avoid it altogether. I mean, avoid the external administration process. 
if the company hasn't lodged its BAS or IAS on time, then yes, there is room for a DPN. But if they have lodged everything on time, then I understand the ATO can't issue a DPN because a DPN can only be issued when filing obligations are not met, correct? Or you have trading while insolvent. Yeah, so what I'm trying to say, though, is there's a model where a lot of tax agents are just suggesting to their clients, look, don't go through the formal external administration process. What you can do is just not pay the ASIC fees and then ASIC will deregister the company so you don't need to go through the external administration process. And if there's no risk area, so if, if, if all the tax returns are lodged up to date, regardless of what, what they are and the super is paid, then I, I would say there is there is a very low risk that there will be any blowback or there will be any action taken against the uh, directors. When you think about the fact that there's a million entities out there, so a million PT YLTDs and a million trading trusts, I think that this is a way that ASIC has basically um, allows a lot of smaller entities to get cleaned up without having to pay, say, the ten dollars or $20,000 for the external administration to basically be, be, uh, to be undertaken. So I'm not suggesting it to any clients. I'm not um, saying it's a good good idea in itself, but I can see how in the in the smaller space, sorry, it could achieve an objective, which is to basically deal with an entity, shut it down, um, erase it effectively without having action taken against the directors. Have you seen what the ATO has been doing in these cases? So let's say the company owes $50,000 to the ATO. The company gets deregistered by ASIC. Does the ATO just let it go? Well, the first thing is the the ATO doesn't have the primary responsibility to to re-register uh, the entity. That's actually ASIC. So it turns on ASIC to make a decision. Now, I don't have any statistics I can point you to, but I'd say 99 times out of 100, there is no change in position so so once the company is deregistered by ASIC 99 times out of 100 it, it, there won't be any change to that type position so that that effectively erases or that discharges the tax debt so in terms of the numbers in which the ATO actually walks down to the Supreme Court or the federal court and makes an application to re-register a company I'd say there's very few I'd say it could be one in a hundred it could be one in a thousand we, we just don't know well, I, I think it's just part of one thing in Australia is there's not a lot of consumer protection for small enterprise. Okay, so this could be just one example of, of, of ASIC making a decision just to make it easier for our directors of very small enterprises to be able to avoid a very expensive, uh, laborious exercise of going through external administration. And then in the worst cases or in the cases where there's been significant asset transfers or um, asset stripping, before the process is um, initiated, then ASIC can then step back and re-register the entity and then go through the process of trying to get the assets back. So that is a very, a very important option. With all these lists of voluntary administration and liquidation, et cetera, just letting ASIC de-register the company, I think is then a very important option to consider. It's going down a growth path. So that, that being an option, is uh, going down a growth path. And look, you don't need to call up an insolvency lawyer to go through that process. You can basically evaluate it yourself and uh, communicate with your tax accountant. Or if, if you're a tax accountant, you can uh, communicate with your client to look at whether it's um, an option which applies to them, which is uh, strategic, or, wh or whether because they haven't filed their tax returns and they owe super or there's a risk that there'll be a, a uh, lockdown penalty notice against them. 
that it's not a pathway that they should take. Did you just say lockdown penalty notice? Okay, so what I'm talking about is the uh, the director penalty notice. So the DPN that you were discussed. There's two types. Okay, there's one type which is basically a um, I guess if I call it a non-lockdown, it doesn't quite make sense, but it's a penalty notice where the directors can discharge the obligation. So they can they can discharge the obligation by going into administration or liquidation, okay, or they can pay the tax debt. And that's got to be done within a 21-day period of being served. The second type of uh, director penalty notice is called a lockdown, okay, a lockdown DPN. Now, a lockdown DPN cannot be legally discharged, meaning there's, there's, there's no 21-day period to comply or to, to appoint an administrator or to wind up, the director remains liable for that tax debt regardless of what they do with the uh, the tax entity that owes, with with the entity that owes the tax debt. The rules are that the, that it's linked to compliance. So if the tax returns aren't lodged, and look, depends on whether a small withholder, medium or larger withholder, but say for PAYG, it's um, twenty within twenty eight days of a due date for a lodgement of a return. If it's outside of that time period, then if a DPN is issued, then it's a lockdown DPN regarding that particular PAYG debt because of non-NAC compliance. And so if the company has been deregistered by ASIC, can the ATO still issue a lockdown DPN or just a normal DPN? They can't issue a normal directed penalty notice, but they can issue the lockdown because in terms of the tax administration law, the tax debt arose when they were non-compliant. So my understanding is, is that the uh, the penalty notice is basically the uh, the notice. So the the form of the uh, the documentation of the obligation, but the obligation was created through non-compliance. So what I mean by that is that it's a lockdown because the tax debt cropped up in the past. So my my understanding is yes, yes they can. I've seen examples where in terms of an administration process, once a data company arrangement's been signed, once the process of um, administration has been completed in full, case officers from the ATO have gone back into the tax file and identified tax debts, okay, um, non-compliant tax debts related to lockdown uh, DPNs that they've decided to issue a number of months after the um, administration process had been uh, completed. So it doesn't affect, sorry, in terms of the tax debt, the tax debt settled, discharged, there's a, a data compromise entered into, the ATO has still gone back and, and plucked out of the air this um, uh, director penalty claim that was locked down or that was created before the um, administration process commenced. Letting ASIC deregister the company then is not an easy way out of ATO tax debts for the company. Look, as I said, it's not so. It's it's not the business that I'm in. Okay, so I'm I'm not in the business of sitting down with um with with taxpayers, analysing their tax returns, and then advising them to allow ASIC to deregister the entity. It's becoming an option in the smaller space, and I'm seeing it on the rise. And and some of the the corporate law um academics out there are starting to track it. It's, it's basically overtaking administration processes or external administration processes in terms of the popularity of dealing with insolvent small to medium sites as the most popular instrument, I think you'd call it, to basically deal with small to medium size enterprise. And your example of the tax debt, we have a company that only has a tax debt. There's no employees to worry about. There's no uh, suppliers you've got to walk down the road to talk to. 
would seem to be one of the ways that a lot of taxpayers are, you know, trying trying to deal with their problems now. I can imagine it works fine if you also don't have personal assets. So if there are no personal assets and you just let the company being deregistered, then there is nothing to go and get anyway. I have to say that if you're going to be a director of a small to medium-sized enterprise, then it will be a good idea to engage in some form of asset protection at any time, you know, before you start, because you can, uh, you know, in, in the worst case, find yourself become insolvent because of the corporate structure you've gone into. So therefore, regardless of what you do, some form of asset protection is just prudent anyway. The trading trust structure is, is one structure that's used. The other structure, which is a more basic structure, is that what you do is you make sure that all your assets are held by your partner, so your wife or your spouse or whatever type of partner you have, and, and that you hold the risk in your own name. So that if you're put in, in, a, in a position where you've got a large tax debt to lock down a director penalty notice, that you'll, you'll have some comfort that at least your house won't be touched or at least your own assets won't be touched because they're not in your name. Welcome back. So based on what Ben says, it seems that just letting ESSEC deregister your company could be a way out, out of your tax debts and away from an expensive liquidation of your company if you meet three criteria. Number one, you have no personal assets, for example, because they are all held in your spouse's name. If you do have personal assets, then there is a much higher risk that the ATO will come after those personal assets. Number two, the only substantial liability left in your company is the ATO debt. If you also still owe substantial amounts to other creditors, then there's a much higher risk that those other creditors might still pursue you, even though ESSEC deregistered your company. Number three, there is no tax loss carry forward in the company or you want to get out of business anyway, so you won't have any income that could run against those tax loss carry forwards. So in other words, tax loss carry forwards are of no relevance to you. If your company meets those three criteria, then just letting ESSEC deregister your company might be an option. I was going to list the fourth criteria that your company lodged its best and company tax returns on time or within three months of the due date so that the ATO can't issue a DPN due to late or non-lodgement. But if you have no personal assets, then a DPN won't worry you anyway. So I left this out. So this was all about letting ESSEC deregister your company, which seems to be a very common way out. Remember the 13 to 1 ratio. Now, next week, we will go back to our mini-series about offshoring. We will start with 17 arguments for offshore labor hire, 17 arguments why you should engage a labor hire agency. And then the week after, 17 arguments why you should not engage a labor hire agency, but hire your own staff directly. So next week, episode 367, 17 arguments for offshore labor hire. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.